0: it's happening readers we have heard that you want paperbacks from our tailored book recommendation service called tbr and i'm delighted to let you know that we're going to be in sync with your request that's right we're bringing paperbacks. Whether you hate carrying around bulky hardcovers, you're on a budget, you want a wider range of recommendations, or all of the above, now you can get a paperback subscription from TBR curated just for you by one of our bibliologists. Get all the details at mytbr.co. That's mytbr.co. We're bringing paperbacks.
1: Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 163, and we are recording on Monday, October 16th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Kendra Winchester, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Kendra. Uh, it's been a hot minute. How are you? <laughs>
2: I'm doing all right. How are you feeling, Katie? You were out last week because you were under the weather.
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm thankfully feeling much better. Um, yeah, for... For you listeners, I woke up the day we were supposed to record with like the worst case of laryngitis, and I knew there was absolutely no way I was going to be able to record that night. So Yeah, I'm I'm still a little hoarse at times and I've got a cough that's gonna probably going to take me through to January, because that's just how my body rolls, but Other than that, I'm feeling and sounding much better than I was a couple of weeks ago. Um, So how are you doing? I haven't been on, we haven't recorded since before I left on vacation.
2: (laughs) Uh, Doing okay. Uh, Fall has just arrived to the south. I put on my first sweater today. (laughs) The corgis are still enjoying sitting in the fall sunshine and going to the dog park and all of that. And so I've been buried beneath freelance work. So I've just been trying to figure out what audiobooks to listen to first. So that's really how we roll, I guess, in the fall. It's prime book season.
1: Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. And uh October is always my favorite month. It's, you know, it's prime fall season. It's prime spooky season. And the weather is usually crummy, at least out in Chicago area. So it's the perfect weather to curl up and relax with a book. Although, yeah, Sadly, considering how much time off I've had, and like, you know, I was homesick for a couple of days, my brain was just like, I'm not, I can't read anything. So I did not get to read as much as I had hoped. But I'm like, oh, we've still got a couple of weeks till Halloween. There's still time to really get into that spooky feeling and curl up with a blanket and a cat and a a good book. So I am determined to take advantage of these aesthetic vibes.
2: (laughs) Yes, I bought my very first Halloween mugs a couple days ago. They're on their way. They should be delivered tomorrow. And so one is a cauldron and one is a jack-o'-lantern. And I'm very excited.
1: Ooh, very festive.
2: Yes, I like to switch out mugs for whatever you know holiday or seasonal thing. and so I feel like there's so many holidays you have you know Halloween and fall leading up to the holiday season. then you have your winter mugs in January and February you have we have some Valentine's Day mugs, you know the whole big caboodle because I have way too many mugs. I'm gonna be honest so I have to rotate. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we have way too many mugs. And I think we've got a few like Christmas mugs hiding somewhere that my husband will pull out in December. But we also have like I have a red rum mug that I bought from the Stanley Hotel the first time we visited. That is a year round mug. Um, <laughs> that one does not just come out in October. I have a picture of me. Um, I took, I took a selfie the first day of working from home during the pandemic. I'm sitting at my desk holding my red rum mug. I'm like, well, let's see how this goes. That's so on brand. I love that. I know. Yes. And when, when we went, when we stayed at the Stanley this year, we of course went through the gift shop and I'm like, oh, Hey, there's the mug we have. So they're still selling them. Oh, if you're like,
2: then this time we went to this extremely haunted hotel
1: Yes. Um, no, we we literally walked through the Stanley gift shop and I was like, wait, we have that ornament. Have we bought this ornament yet? I don't think we have. And I'm like, we have that mug, but we don't have that shot glass. We need that shot glass. And I'm like, "The I could tell the cashier was just laughing at me because I'm like, wait, we bought this last time. We have this one, don't we? <laughs> this, this has been a recap of hashtag Katie Problems.
0: That is fantastic.
1: But yeah, so um, yeah, feeling the fall vibes. So, have you have you been reading anything lately? Have you have you bought anything lately? Like, well, you
2: know, I I have to admit, I might have been a bit happy about um, buying things, and so I now have about thirty books that I've received in the last two weeks. Whoa! <laughs> and it is a lot. Like I have them on this little like TV tray um, that is older than my corgis. And so it's like struggling underneath the weight of all these books. But one of the ones that I got that I was very excited to tell you about is um, Osma Zahane Khan's Blackwater Falls book, which is the n- first book in the new series she has going on. And the second book, Blood Betrayal, comes out on November 7th. So I wanted to get the first one so we could catch up to read the second one because I love Osma Zahane Khan. She is just a phenomenal Mystery thriller writer. And so she had went, she took a break from mystery thrillers and went to fantasy, but I much prefer her mystery novels. So I was so excited. So I got that one. And then I got The Vampires of El Norte by Isabel Cañas. And that is the from the author of The Hacienda. And it's basically a book set in 1840s Mexico that involves a girl going to a community of vampires. Or something for some unknown reason. And I don't <laughs> want to read the rest of the synopsis because I don't want to know why she's going to go like be with these vampires or meet the... I have no idea. So, um, But I've heard so many people recommend this, especially since it's the end of Latin A Heritage Month as we record this. So... Very excited about those books. Um, what books have you been picking up?
1: Well, you know, like I like I said, reading's been a struggle. Um, however, buying books has not been a struggle. (laughs) Although I have not bought I thought I was committing some kind of a crime. I walked out of (laughs) the last time we went to Barnes and Noble, I bought like eight books. And my husband was like, You sure you don't need an extra one? Because they had like one of those buy two, get one, 50% -hmm. off for paperbacks, (laughs) or so I had three. And then I was like, Well, I think I need four. It was like buy one, get one, half off. I had 3 and I was like, well, clearly I need a fourth one. Obviously, yes. So, yeah, so I walked out with a big stack, but I did not buy 30 books. <laughs> That's impressive. But, <laughs> yeah, a couple of the highlights that I got was Kala by Colin Walsh, which I mentioned as a most anticipated pick a couple of months ago. Um it's a it's a, I don't know if it's totally psychological suspense, um, but it's set in Ireland, and it's gotten rave reviews and compared favorably to Tana French, so of course that's just, you know, sold. Oh, and then, of course, how could I forget, you managed to procure an advanced copy of Tana French's upcoming book for me, The Hunter. yes. which I have not had a chance uh, to dive into, but yet while we're on the topic of Tana French. um, But I also at Barnes & Noble picked up While Justice Sleeps by Stacey Abrams, which was her first legal thriller that she published a few years ago that I had always been meaning to read but hadn't gotten around to because she's I'm like what can this woman not do like she just does everything she does she's changing politics and she's writing mystery and thriller novels and all of her romance novels that she wrote under a pseudonym um but yeah so I picked up While Justice Sleeps and then I also got Um, the book A Death in Door County, which is the first in the uh, Monster Hunter mystery series by Annalise Ryan. And it's definitely a on the cozier side. But it is a set in Door County, which is not terribly far from where I live. It's a prime vacation spot for people in the Chicago area. And it features a cryptid that may live in Lake Michigan, which to me, I'm like, okay, sold. I love a good I, I love cryptids. And I think she the second book is centered around Bigfoot. And I can't remember if that one has come out already or is just about to. But I was like, oh, sure, what the heck? Let's try something new. Let's try something cozy. So yeah, so those are just three of the stack of books I picked up. So I am not at a loss for choices. I just have not gotten my brain to focus, which is the problem. But I've got plenty of things to choose from stacked on my bookshelf.
2: Yes, it sounds like we both are. You know, we have very tall TBRS for the fall, and that's lovely. We love that for us.
1: The tallest, yes. <laughs> Speaking of TBR, I think I can I can hand that that over to you.
2: <laughs> yes,
1: we did not plan that segue. I promise. <laughs>
2: You know, we are here. We are just here doing the thing, talking about books. Mm -hmm. So like we always talk about the weather, um, it is now autumn and there are all sorts of books waiting for you. And there are just as enthusiastic people as we are waiting to recommend you books through Book Riot's TBR service. And that is a Service where you sign up, you fill out a profile, and then you share what you are looking for. You can say, Give me what I'm used to, or expand your literary horizons. And based on your profile, your TBR bibliologist will choose books for you. And there are options for all budgets. You can choose just the recommendations, or if you are in the United States, you can have them ship the books right to your door. And As an added bonus, you can also give TBR as a gift. And so that gives you a lot of great options for TBR. I used to be a bibliologist, so I have recommended a lot of books for folks and there's a lot of, like you can get as specialized as you want. I once had someone request like creepy Appalachian books and that was just where I thrived. Honestly, it was amazing. And so that was really lovely, but you can do that if you're looking for something very specific or just something for fun. It is wonderful. So you can sign up for TBR today by visiting mytbr.co. That's mytbr.co. And it only takes a few minutes to sign up.
1: If your reading lists are not already long enough.
2: You know, we're always here to make them longer. That's our whole job.
1: <laughs> yes, we are book pushers.
2: We we are. We are, for sure.
1: All right. Well, let's go ahead and take a quick pause for our first sponsor. <laughs>
0: It's happening readers. We have heard that you want paperbacks from our tailored book recommendation service called TBR. And I'm delighted to let you know that we're going to be in sync with your request. That's right. We're bringing paperbacks. Whether you hate carrying around bulky hardcovers, you're on a budget, you want a wider range of recommendations or all of the above, now you can get a paperback subscription from TBR curated just for you by one of our bibliologists. Get all the details at mytbr.co. That's mytbr.co. We're bringing paperbacks. All right. So if
1: you are new to the show, welcome. We are so delighted to have you. If you are a longtime listener, welcome back. And I know it's been a little bit longer than usual since our last episode, but uh, we're delighted to have, have everyone with us. And like we mentioned at the top of the show, we talk about mystery and suspense and true crime and just pretty much anything that falls under that giant category, mysterious and suspenseful reads. So there's a lot of room for interpretation and things to talk about on the show If you've listened to the show before, you know that this is the point where we always put out a call to our lovely listeners to let us know if you have any suggestions for future topics to talk about on the show. This is a really great way for us to know what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. It's a great way for us to expand our own reading horizons. So whether you're looking for author read-alikes, explore a subgenre we haven't talked about, Uh, Something really, really niche, like just a topic that you think would make for a really interesting discussion, awards, movie adaptations, things happening in the news, anything along those lines. As I like to say, if it's mysterious and suspenseful, it is fair game. So if you have any ideas or suggestions, you can shoot us an email or reach out to us via social media. Um, We're going to have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes. So don't worry about trying to jot something down right now. We just put out the call ahead of time to get the creative juices flowing while you listen. Even if you don't have an idea, but you just want to... Shout out and say hi. That is also fantastic. We love hearing from our listeners. And if you enjoy this podcast, you can also head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review so that other people um, have a better chance to find us. With that, as far as the new segment goes so, about, I don't know, a week, week and a half ago, Time Magazine posted an article. That they had selected the hundred best mystery and thriller books of all time. And anytime any publication puts out a list of like these are the best, I'm like, okay, you know, these are a hundred of the best, but but then I read who selected the books, and Time put together a panel of mystery and thriller authors. And I am going to read off this list and just hold on to your butts. It's <laughs> Megan Abbott, Harlan Coben, S.A. Cosby, Gillian Flynn, Tana French, Rachel Housel-Hall, and Sujata Massey. I mean, holy cow, <laughs> talk about an all-star group. Like, I was just beside myself. I'm like, okay, I will listen to anything that they have to say about mysteries and suspense, and like scrolling through this list, these are it's arranged in chronological order, so it's not ranking, you know, okay, this is like the number one mystery, but it does have a hundred uh different titles on there, and it's just this is a solid, solid list, like really impressive, like I haven't had a chance to really sit down and go through it you know as closely as I would like but holy cow i mean i'm just i'm just going to start babbling so i'm go- i'm going <laughs> to i'm going to stop myself but holy cats
2: <laughs> it looks like an incredible list and i feel like if you are just starting out on this whole experience with mystery and thrillers this list is a great place to start
1: yeah just to give you a small snapshot, I scrolled through the list and just randomly stopped at a line. They have like three books per line. And the three books listed on that listed on that line were My Sister the Serial Killer, The Widows of Malabar Hill and Miracle Creek. All three of these books are like in the the, easily in the top 10 read or dead favorite mysteries of all time. Yeah, for sure or at least in the top 10 of books we've talked about the most frequently on this show. This is a really incredible list and it just gets better the farther down you go because you start to see how the genre is has diversified over the last you know, 5-10 years. It's just it's such a great list. Yeah, so we're going to post a link to this in the show notes. And you'll also want to click through because they have a couple of essays from the panelists who helped select the book. So Rachel Housel-Hall has an article about the underappreciated history of mystery writers of color. Tana French has an essay about why mystery novels are so satisfying. Like, this is just a mystery and suspense fan's dream. It really is. Like, oh. I'm so happy by this list. And yeah, a lot of times lists, like I said, these list types of things leave me a little cold, but this, this one is spot on. <sighs> so like, like I said, I could go on rambling about this forever, but definitely take a look. I think it will be well worth your time. And then... Really quickly before I finally I do turn it over to you, Kendra, because like I said, I am just talking, talking, talking. Um, the last news item that I wanted to mention is that Bright Young Women, which is the latest book by Jessica Knoll, this was one of my most anticipated picks for the second half of 2023, has been picked up uh, for development as a TV series, and I haven't had a chance to read the book yet, but. I'm super excited to see that it's been picked up for an adaptation. It's already being listed as one of the best, you know, one of the best mystery novels of the year. And it's very much focused on the, like, what happens to the survivors of a serial killer. And it uses Ted Bundy as, you know, kind of the inspiration for the story. But instead of focusing on Bundy, like all of these other documentaries do, it focuses on the survivors and the victims and really changes the point of view of how we view these types of stories, which is a an ongoing theme here um, that we talk about a lot on the show. So keep an eye on that and uh, pick up a copy of Bright Young Women by Jessica Knoll. And I will make a point to do that as well, because I really should have read it by now.
2: Well, I think we are ready to head into our theme for this week. Please do. So we have chosen books that would be great for book club picks, and that can be interpreted as books that have already been picked for various book clubs or that we think would be great picks for a book club. So you're going to get a mix of both.
1: Yeah. So, well, okay. So my first question is, are you a member of a book club?
2: I am. I am an, a member of book club. I am part of an in, uh, you know IRL, in real life book club with some friends from college. And then I am in a, which is very eclectic. We all are very, very different readers. Like last month we read a novella originally published in French called, I think it was like something like The Waitress Was late or something. And it's a very interesting novel in translation. And then this month's pick is about vampires. So Ooh. we pick a lot of different things. And sometimes we'll do have self-help. Sometimes we'll have, a historical fiction novel. And then I'm also a participant in Erin and Danny's Indigenous Reading Circle Book Club. And so that is online. And so I have followed the book club and generally followed along even if I couldn't attend um, with their book club. So I'm recommending a book from there today as well. So there's a little bit of everything.
1: I surprisingly consider, you know, I work in a library. <laughs> I've loved books my whole life. I have never been... A book club person, um, probably because it feels too much like homework for me. <laughs> and that to me is like the easiest way to get me to not want to read something is being told that I have to read it. I, I bad memories of high school English class and being forced to like actively read our, our books with highlighters and making notes in the margins, even though I know you don't do that for book club. But having a due date for A book and like having being told exactly what to read does not work well with how my brain works. And my brain sees that and is just like, nope, we're not doing it. Um, I have friends who are in book clubs and I like I have one uh, actually a couple of friends who got married after meeting in, in book club. And they are they are very dedicated, like they one time gave my husband and I uh they had won tickets to a Cubs game for free, and they gave us the the really good tickets because it was book club day that they were hosting at their apartment, and I'm like, then you tell everyone that book club is cancelled for this week, and you go to the baseball game so their their dedication to book club was one that I did not totally understand, but um <laughs> But that being said, having worked in libraries and participating in leading book club discussions on occasion, I am usually able, like, I I can, I know what makes a good book club book, or I know some of the elements that can make for a good book club pick and, and whatnot. And yeah, so... I know for most. I think your picks had already been picked as as book club picks by someone by someone else who runs a book club. Was that correct? Yes. Yes, and then mine um, were not have not been picked by a major book club that I am aware of, but were ones that I identified as ones that could be good as a possible suggestion just because of the topic and you know different points of discussion. But what uh, what was your first pick and why did you pick from that book club?
2: Well, my first pick is The Firekeeper's Daughter, and this is by Angeline Boulie. And this is a novel, it's an older young adult novel that was chosen for Reese Witherspoon's Hello Sunshine book club for the YA version of that. Uh, And I remember when this book first came out because they did such an excellent job of marketing this book on social media by sending the book to Ojibwe reviewers. So the book is based around uh, Donis, who is an Ojibwe young woman senior in high school, wanting to you know to make, has big plans for her life. And so she has a, a jibwe father and a white mother. And the story goes is that her dad died before she was born. And he and her mother had split. And so she has a half brother that's almost the same age as her. And so there's a lot of complications in her family as her mom, her white mother is from a very well-to-do family. So there's a lot of complex family situations happening and what happens is is that Donna's best friend is murdered by her boyfriend by her best friend's boyfriend to be clear not Donna's boyfriend and then the guy then also dies by suicide so she's not entirely sure what's going on with that like and then drugs become involved and she finds herself entangled in this mystery of why on earth he would do such a horrible thing when you know, she knows him, she grew up with him, like how she couldn't even imagine him doing something like this. So she finds herself in a very complex situation. And I think what the author does is really discuss the complex reality of people in indigenous communities who are enrolled members of different tribal nations and what that means, like logistically and legally as far as laws goes when it comes to crime. I think it reminds me a bit of The Roundhouse because Louise Erdrich did something similar there talking about the complications of different laws around tribal nations and sovereignty and and different things. And this is like a YA version of that, but with a lot of complex family history.
1: Yeah. And and I always forget, you you mentioned that this was a Reese Witherspoon pick, I forget that she has a young adult version of her book club because her adult book club is the one that gets, that gets all of the attention.
2: Yeah, and I'm not sure if it's been discontinued. I think it might have been because it went from monthly to quarterly, and then I haven't seen it for a while, so it may have been discontinued because this book did come out a few years ago.
1: Yeah, but still, I mean, that's... And that also, even if it's not ongoing, that's still a good backlist essentially um of solid picks yeah reese, i was going to say reese witherspoon's book club is very very popular with our patrons and we ha- we have some people that are just like they will they will only read books that she has picked for her book, book club or that have shown up on a celebrity book club's list and she picks an interesting mix of Literary fiction and nonfiction and mystery and thriller. so i'm I'm glad to see that she picked this one because I know that I know that this is that this is a favorite of yours.
2: Yes. I love Angelina Bully. She has her second one came out, which we've talked about previously. but there has been some articles recently that have come out about um Reese Witherspoon's book club. I will look them up and include in the show notes. But basically, like she negotiates rights to their books. In um, this whole process, so she gets the rights to make, you know, to make them into films. Or Hello Sunshine does, I should say, because she sold the company eventually. I think she still runs it, but anyway, it's very interesting logistical process. If that's something you're into, but yes, Firekeeper's Daughter is a great mystery. Huge fan, so folks can definitely check it out.
1: All right, and before I jump into my first pick, let's go ahead um, and take a quick pause for our second sponsor. Okay, so my first pick is Anywhere You Run by Wanda M. Morris, and this came out about a year ago. And I had read her first book, um, which came out a year or two prior to this most recent one. It was a legal thriller, uh, really, really excellent. And this one is very different. It is, I guess, yeah, it would be considered historical fiction. It is set in, I believe, 1964 in Mississippi slash Georgia. It takes place in a, in a few different areas, but it's a large part of it is centered around uh, the Jim Crow South and the Civil Rights Act has, there's, they're pushing for civil rights at this time. And there's, you know, in the South, they're supposed to, you know, places are supposed to be integrated, but the people who live in the South and the people who own these establishments are like, basically they're saying, you know, make me, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to obey these laws. So there's this conflict between, you know, what life should be like and how it's continuing to be. But the the story centers around two sisters. There's Violet and Marigold. And Violet, she, at the beginning of the story, she takes off for somewhere she has uh she has murdered some a man for assaulting her this takes place off screen it is not it's not detailed but she has killed him and she knows that if the police can pin it on the on her she will be killed herself and so, with the help of this, this white man that she's been dating, um, she gets out of Mississippi and then ends up, uh, in Chillicothe, Georgia, trying to find a place to lay low. She changes her name from Violet to Vera and tries to, you know, keep a low profile. And then her sister Marigold finds herself in a situation when her sister has just run off both of their parents have recently passed away. She is pregnant, um she is not married, but she is recently pregnant by a man who wants nothing to do with her or this or his unborn child. So she ends up marrying someone who she who she knows and moving north to Ohio. And very clear very early on she realizes that this is not this was not a good decision. And then While that's happening, there's someone back in Mississippi um, who wants to track Violet or Vera down. And so he hires a man to try and figure out where she went. And so you have these three characters, the two sisters and this guy who's been hired to find Violet. And the story alternates between the, the three of their points of view You watch as they, as the as the women try to deal with the fallout from their decisions, um, the struggles of living in uh, the Jim Crow era, and then you get the point of view from the man who has been hired to hunt them down, and it's a really interesting structure. But the thing that I think makes this book really good for a book club is, well, it's a mystery and a suspense, but it's that almost takes. A back burner to the story of these women's choices and how they play out. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for discussion. If your book club, you know, just talking about, okay. Would you have made these same choices, you know, if you were in their position, but also keeping in mind, you know, that they are two black women living in the 1960s and kind of reflecting on the additional difficulties that they had, you know, just existing, let let alone trying, you know, trying to carve out a meaningful life for themselves. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of opportunity, you know, to talk about their choices or even to reflect on you know the conditions and the the social norms and the politics of that era and to ask yourself like okay how does this compare to now like on the one hand it does feel very different but on the other hand there's there's a lot of similarities um between what they deal with and what we see play out in society now it's definitely a slower paced novel um, if you're looking for a thriller that is just you know just like blows your hair back cuz it's moving so quickly. This is definitely on the leisurely pace side, but it's really interesting and if you listen to it on audio, the narration is just spot on. It's just so the narration is just so evocative. But yeah, I think this gives a lot of opportunities for discussion about, yeah, what things have changed, what things have stayed the same, how we make decisions, and the mental calculus that women have to go through to make these decisions for themselves. Yeah, it's it's a really, really interesting book. And it also won um, the Anthony Award for Best Historical Novel um, just a couple months ago. So uh, you don't have to take my word for it that it's a noteworthy book. The uh, Anthony Award Selection Committee thought so as well.
2: That sounds like a great crossover.
1: Yes, very much so. Um, Especially if you have a, a book club that where, you know, your readers tend to veer more towards literary fiction or historical fiction, maybe aren't so much mystery and suspense readers outright, this would definitely be a good crossover pick. And again, that is Anywhere You Run by Wanda M. Morris.
2: And my second pick is Anoka by Shane Hawk. And this is a collection of indigenous horror short stories. Now, if Shane Hawk sounds familiar to you, that's because he's one of the co-editors of the Never Whistle at Night anthology that just came out, um, which is an anthology of indigenous horror from a wide range of authors from different backgrounds across across Turtle Island. And so that is really exciting. Um, This one came out actually that I'm talking about today. Anoka came out in 2020. And this is a very short, short story collection. It's only like 136 pages, but I picked it up because Erin and Danny's book club called the Indigenous Reading Circle, which I will link in the show notes, chose this. I don't know if it was last year or the year before but I was really excited to pick it up and he was so supportive of the book club. This is just a, you know, he was just kind of putting it out on his own and there's an audio book and so he made it accessible and he put a lot of work into this. And so this collection is centered around the town of Anoka, Minnesota, which is a small city outside of the Twin Cities that has been dubbed the Halloween capital of the world. And this book really looks at just a weird collection of short stories based around place and Shane Hawk is Arapaho and Cheyenne and so he really pulls from his indigenous identity talking about like inter- intergenerational trauma, familial grief, loneliness and just looking at the world from an indigenous perspective in you know a world that's dominated by you know colonialism and so i i just love what this book did. And it's such a small, like lesser known book, I think it would be great for folks to find um, and talk about and support this up and coming author.
1: Yeah. I And what you said about, yeah, being an up and coming author or a lesser known pick, I think a lot of book clubs will go towards, you know, the really big buzzworthy books, because that's what people hear about. That's what a lot of times get picked for these different you know big celebrity or online book clubs so i think i think some of the discussions around lesser known titles can be some of the most interesting because you know people haven't already you know heard about these books a ton or read a ton of reviews i'm yeah i'm i'm always a fan for like the lesser known keep in your back pocket type of suggestion
2: and it's shorter so like if you're heading into a busy season then you know there's there's less to read
1: as well,
2: um, which is something that you know my book club in real life, the IRL book club. We don't really have a name. We recently did because fall is so busy with everyone going back to school and often all the kids go back to school. So we picked a short one, and it was only like I don't know two hours on audio is a very short like novella as a pick. And I feel like since this is only 136 pages and it's short stories, I feel like you could definitely. Um, Get through it pretty easily. And if you like this book, you can go pick up Never Whistle at Night, which I will be reporting back here, hopefully by the end of the year about that book, because (laughs) it is high up on my list. It is one of the 30 books that arrived at my house. And it's near the top. (laughs) It's near the top, I promise.
1: (laughs) Near the top of that that list of 30.
2: Yes. (laughs) I see. I have them all stacked, like based on priority. Um, So like the books I'm most excited about are on the top of the stack. Like quite literally. <laughs> um, yes. If you want to see photos, I might post some on my social media. So definitely check the show notes out if you want to see the ridiculous stack of books. To be fair, many of those were sent to me by publishers, but I also bought some the other day. So anyway, I will link all all the books I mentioned in the show notes, including Never Whistle at Night. So you all can go check those out. But this one is Anoka, which is a short story collection by Shane Hawke.
1: All right. So my second pick is Mrs. Poe by Lynn Cullen. And this book, granted, I have not read this book in several years, but I loved it when I read it. It is like a, I'd call it gothic historical suspense, but it is based on actual historical people. And if you can guess by the title, this is not a description of me after watching Star Wars with Oscar Isaac in it, uh, Mrs. Poe refers to Edgar Allan Poe's wife. Um, But the main character is actually a woman named Frances Osgood, who is a struggling poet, and she meets Edgar Allan Poe at like a literary meeting at the height of his success. And she finds him really intriguing. Now, Frances is still legally married to her former husband, even though he he left her months ago. He's been seen in the company of several women, but... She is the one who kind of has to bear the brunt of that. She has not been, you know, she is not legally divorced. Um, And so he can kind of do whatever she wants, but she is still very much bound by the rules of the society that she lives in. And she meets Edgar Allan Poe and is really, and is very much intrigued by him. And this also, and so she ends up having an affair with Edgar Allan Poe. And like, I did not think it was possible to turn Edgar Allan Poe into a character that one might want to engage in an affair with. Um I I don't know how else to put it, but there is even though it's, the story is not a romance, there you know the the there's the you know the Romantic entanglement of these two characters, and it's you know it's was surprisingly like engrossing and well done. I was very very surprised, and the author really she paints Edgar Allan Poe as not this caricature of him that a lot of us think of now, but as a very real conflicted person, and so. The two of them are engaging in this affair, but he, Edgar Allan Poe, is married. Um, His wife is much younger than him. Um, His wife is also his cousin, which is, okay, fine, choices. Um, But when Francis meets Mrs. Poe, his wife is very um, intrigued by Francis, but Francis is also very keenly aware there's something very manipulative about this other woman and that there is... Um, that the, and Frances is, realizes that there's an ulterior, some kind of ulterior motive going on, but she's not sure exactly what. And the, I, re- one of the things I remember about reading this book is that r- s- palpable sense of like unease and almost instability that you feel when, whenever the two women are interacting, because you're like, something's going on or something is going to happen. And you're never quite sure what. You just always feel a little bit off kilter. And this book was just so engrossing on a historical level, on a, you know, a suspense or a gothic type of suspense level, and just really engaging. And I think with the the way that she describes... You know, not only a very famous literary figure, but you know the people in that time period. Um, I think there's a lot to be discussed here. Like, you know, how does her depiction of Edgar Allan Poe compare to what we kind of know about him as a modern audience? What we know about him from his writing. You know, I think there there can be some really interesting discussion um, if you're reading a, a historical fiction novel based on real people and Frances Osgood was a real person who did have an affair with Edgar Allan Poe, you know, doing some research on that to, you know, kind of compare what the historical facts are and how those are interpreted in the story. But yeah, it was just fascinating. And this is a book that even though I read it, I th- i mean, according to my Goodreads review, I read this like seven years ago. Um, So it's been it's been a minute, but I bought a copy of this book because I was like, at some point, I'm like, I am going to go back and reread this because it was just so intriguing. And like I just finished mentioning, I'm a fan of kind of that back pocket suggestion. And this was a book that you know, was popular for a little bit, but I don't, it never got generated a ton of buzz. So there's probably a decent chance that if you have a book club, your uh, book club members have not read this one yet. So yeah, so Kendra, I, I don't know if I have ever talked about this one on the show, even though this was one of my favorites that I read, you know, way back when. Are you aware of this book? Or did you read it when it came out or anything like that?
2: No, I haven't read it before. So I'm very interested, you know, of course, I want to hear your recommendation. So I'm excited to see what also listeners do with it and if they read it as well.
1: Yeah, um, I had a coworker who read it and wasn't wasn't as interested or didn't didn't quite hit her as as much as it did with me. But yeah, I was just fascinated by it. Yeah. So again, that is Mrs. Poe by Lynn Cullen.
2: So we also have some new books that we wanted to mention, as always, as always, and it is you know we have all of our sinister vibes this season. So I have a book that is the first ever authorized novel to return to the world of Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of Hill House. And so this book is called A Haunting on the Hill by Elizabeth Hand. Now, for some reason, when I originally picked up this book, I didn't realize that it was authorized to be in the same world as The Haunting of Hill House, but I picked it up. And so I've actually, I started some, I usually like when I pick up new books, I Listen to the first 30 minutes or whatever just to get the vibe and see what I want to listen to next. And this one is very interesting. It does have a bit of a slow beginning, but I feel like if I had known where it was set, everything would make sense a bit more. Because I was kind of confused at first because we have this woman, Holly Sherwin. She's around 40. She's been given this grant to write this play. And she's been stuck um, as a creative in a teaching job that she doesn't really want. But this finally finally seems to be her chance. so she's in I think in the upstate, maybe in New York somewhere somewhere up there and she goes to the small town with her girlfriend and she decides to rent out this house to like stage some parts of her play in the process of getting it you know going and that's really where it's at. so she just decides this is gonna be a weird thing and so what happens is, is that she she goes into the house and she begins losing sense of time. And she'll come out and like hours will have passed and she doesn't even realize. So it's getting very creepy pretty quickly. So I'm excited to see what happens. But yeah, that came out, what, October 3rd. So I'm interested to see what people think of this one. It is it is sure to, to give you all the creepy, scary house vibes. Have you read the Shirley Jackson, The Haunting of Hill House?
1: Yes, I have. Um, I've read it and I've listened to it, and I had different <laughs> reactions to both. But overall, it is one of my favorites. And I just finished watching the 1999 terrible version of the haunting, uh, um, the haunting of Hill House, with Catherine Zeta-Jones and Owen Wilson, and it is ridiculous, and I love it. And this book has been on my to-do li- or to-do list, on my to-read list since I heard it was coming out. So I, too, am very, very excited to pick this one up.
2: So and what's your pick for new books?
1: So my pick, I'm going the true crime route, and I selected uh, Lay Them to Rest on the Road with the Cold Cased Investigators Who Identified the Nameless by Laura Norton. That is out this week on October 17th. So by the time you're listening to this, you can go out and pick up a copy. So Laura Norton is a true crime podcaster, and she's really interested in forensic science. Um, And then her interest was really sparked by a cold case from the 1990s um, that was very much mishandled um, involving uh, missing twins. And this eventually led to her creating her podcast and kind of creating resources to help figure out what happened with this case. Um, So the book builds on the author's, you know, fascination with these cold case investigations, and talks about forensic science throughout throughout history, like going all the way back to ancient Rome, to like 3D facial reconstruction technology that's used today. And she looks at how identification methods have helped solve some really iconic cold cases she talks about current cold cases that haven't been solved yet she talks to um, a forensic anthropologist to uh, as they try to figure out the identity of this woman who whose head was found in a bush in an Illinois park in the 90s like there's a lot happening here but I mean with true with true crime podcasts, you know just at their absolute height of popularity um and also a strong interest in cold cases, I think you know there's a lot of interest in trying to you know not not only you know bring answers to these cases that haven't been solved but you know helping families find closure and you know just being able to to fill in some of these gaps. Um, so if you're interested in forensic science, in true crime, in cold cases, anything along uh, those lines, uh, you'll definitely want to pick this one up. Um, but again, that is "Lay them to rest on the road with the cold case investigators who identify the nameless by Laura Norton.
2: Well, that is it. We did it. That's our show for today. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. And of course, A wonderful thank you to our incredible sound editor, Jen Zink, for always making us sound great. For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. For more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out all of Book Riot's podcast at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. If you want to send us an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can reach us at writerdead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me, Kendra, on Twitter and Instagram at KD, as in Dylan Winchester. And you can find Katie on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. And we will talk to you all next time. Bye.